turn with me to 1 Kings 3.5. 1 Kings 3.5. This message is going to show three examples of wisdom in the Bible. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for this day. I thank you that you've just given me the opportunity to preach. I just hope that you'd give me the words to speak and the people the ears to hear. And in your name, amen. Let's read verse uh, verse 5. One second, wrong chapter. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared unto to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, "Ask what I shall give give thee." And Solomon said, "Thou hast shown unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee, and thou hast kept for him this great kindness that thou hast given him." a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad, for who is able to judge this thy so great a people? And that and that and the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Uh, Solomon was wise in seeking out God. When, so, when God spoke to Solomon, he was in Gibeon, which is a high place the place where the brazen altar was as well. Solomon wanted to be close to God as his father David was. Therefore, he went to burn a thousand offerings to God. This set Solomon up for the night ahead. Solomon was wise because he asked God for wisdom. When God appeared to Solomon in a dream, God gave Solomon the choice to ask anything of him. First, Solomon was humble and told God that he could not lead a kingdom by himself. Then he asked wisdom to lead a kingdom. God, being pleased with Solomon's request for wisdom and humility, gave him, the, gave him that and even more. Solomon was wise because he feared God and understood that he could not do it by himself. Uh, please turn with me to John 3.1. This is the second example. John one. Let's read. There was a man of the, of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Nicodemus was a Pharisee which meant he was a ruler of the Jews. Even though he was in a place of high authority, he was still humble enough to go and ask about something he did not understand. He opens the discussion with how he knew that Jesus was a prophet come from God. He understood that God was with Jesus. He already had the fear of the Lord, and that gave him the edge to go and ask him. Nicodemus was wise in going to Jesus and for, and for being humble and asking about what he did not understand. Uh, please turn with me to Genesis 6, 12, 13. Oh, wait. Genesis 6, sorry. Let's read verse 12. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them, and I, behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood, rooms thou shalt pitch 
that in the make in the ark and room and shall pitch within and without with pitch. And down to verse 22. Thus did Noah according to all that God had commanded him. Noah was a re- remarkable man. He feared the Lord even when the, the waves of sin and strife rolled about him. This gave him the understanding and the wisdom to listen to God's instructions. He did what the Lord said immediately. Noah was wise in fearing the Lord and staying faithful even when there was no one else to help and encourage him. How did they get wisdom? It says in Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. They first made a decision to fear the Lord and be humble. It, it does, it's not some work you have to do or some prayer you have to act. James 1.5 says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not. You have to make the decision yourself. God gave a free gift. All you have to do is accept it. All right, we're on now. All right. It's nice being able to preach to people that are mostly awake and can mostly hear. When you go to the nursing home on a regular basis, usually you just get yelled at or they snore at you. So it's kind of nice. Um, but it's also a lot of fun. If anyone hasn't gone, I would really recommend that you go and preach the nursing home sometime. Um, we're we're going to look at a couple different things here. Uh, if you want a title, it's Orchids or Mustard is the title. It's going to be a little bit different message here. So in uh, Hebrews chapter 11 is where we're going to start. Common chapter, we all know as the Faith Hall of Fame. Uh, we can go through these names of people that we could look up to as a good example that uh, stayed faithful. But what we're going to do is we're going to look at the first few verses here. It says in verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtain a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the words of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. And if you go down to verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Over in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, if you know this passage, this is where the, uh, the lady... Um, uh, there's a guy here, he's got a son that's got some issues, um, if you read up in the story. And they went to the disciples, the disciples couldn't do anything for him, so then they end up going to Jesus. And in verse 20 it says, And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto the mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. And nothing shall be impossible unto you. So there, if ye have faith, like the grain of a mustard seed. So I started looking into it. Um, I don't know plants that well. I know if you put a seed in the ground, it may or may not come up. Um, that's about my extent of it. Um, 
I could tell you maybe how to plant them, maybe next to each other in a row, whatever, but I, I'm not good at it. So I started looking it up. A mustard seed is between one to two millimeters in size. So if you think about the size of that, that is roughly, you'd have to have 25 seeds to make an inch long line. That's not very big of a faith. If you think about that passage, if you have faith like a mustard seed. So then I started thinking about other things, and an orchid came to mind. There's all different types of orchids out there. Um, the smallest orchid is in the tropical uh, rainforest, and it is one three hundredth of an inch the seed is. It cannot be seen by the human eye. And you think about that, that is um, uh, 25,400 seeds to make one inch, if you were to line that plant up. That's how small that is. So I started comparing the two of mustard and orchids. They're not your normal plants that you put together. And so I started thinking about that, and it says, our faith like a mustard seed. Back in chapter 11 of Hebrews, it says, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So there's three things I saw there. One, you have to come to God. The Bible says, come to God. Two, it says you must believe. And three, he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So with those three ideas, you have to go to God, you have to believe. How many have ever said something but didn't really believe it? How many have ever prayed to God and not really believing that it was going to be answered, but you prayed because that's what we're supposed to do? I know we've done it. It's not right, but we do it. So with that in mind, I want to look at a couple of different passages here. If you go to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8 is where we're going to look at a couple of verses here. Let's see how far we can get in this. So we've got a couple different stories going on here in the first part of this chapter. And we're going to look at the first uh, three verses. Uh, and when he had come down from the mountain, great multitude followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. You know, it's interesting, when this leper went to him, the, the, you go to those three points I said. One, he went to Jesus. It's what it says he did. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him. He went to him. And then he believed that he could. He goes, if thou wilt, not if you could, if you can't, but if you want to, you can make me clean. It's what he said in that passage. It's not a, I think you could, would you please? It's, if you want to, I know you can. You can make me clean. And what's the reward? He was clean. He was cleansed of all his leprosy. He had to go believing and got his reward. Now, if you drop down to verse 5 of the same one. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came to him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And the Lord said unto him, I will come and heal him. That is, and you think about who this person is that came to Jesus. He's a centurion. And he said, I'll go with you. 
I wonder what other people in that group might have thought when he goes, oh, I'll go back to your house with you. He's a centurion. The ones following him off the mountain were not centurions or Roman, probably, some of those people. And he goes, I'll just go back with you to your house. And the centurion says in verse 8, And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say unto a man, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh, and to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said unto them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. If you think about this, this centurion, again, went to Jesus. Jesus didn't go to him in this story. Um, He went to him believing that he could take care of the need. And I'll take it to a next step. He knew God could take care of the need he had for someone else without even being there. He had enough faith to know that God can do it without even being in the room. And he said that. He goes, I am not worthy thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. You know, that's a very bold thing to say, to go up to him and say, you know what? I'm not worthy you come to my house. But if you say it, it's going to happen. I know it will happen. He went. He believed it was going to happen. And what was his reward? His servant was healed. What is that? That was faith. Both of those had to do with a faith of believing in something that they couldn't see. In their eyes, there was no cure for some of this stuff. But they believed God could take care of it. He, he has the ability to take care of it. So, you got some people there, they, they both came to God. They believed, they received. When was the last time you went to God? Believing God could answer your problem. And then seeing the reward. We've gone to God. Maybe believing somewhat God could take care of it, but not truly 100%. The Bible says you have not, because you ask not. Have you gone to God in faith and just said, God, I believe you're going to do it. Be like the centurion. I'm not even going to be there. Just take care of it. I know you can. That's what he did. That's what he did. So back to our plants here. Our seed that we need for faith, a mustard seed. I looked up the two, an orchid. One thing I noticed when I was reading a bunch of stuff is they don't like a lot of light or water. They like a nice kind of a shaded area from what I was able to find, and they like it kind of dry. An orchid can grow between 8 to 12 inches tall and 3 to 5 inches wide, and it could take up to nine months to grow. It's a long time for a flower. Think about it. To get a flower that big, nine months you wait. It might have a lot of good colors. Mustard seed, like it wet, cool, and they like the sunlight. It's interesting how that works. They can be cool, but still have all that sunlight. They can grow in a bush. Um, some, it's a debate I read that it's a bush, or is it a tree? But they say it's a bush, all the scientists do, but God calls it a tree in Matthew chapter 13. So we'll call it a tree. 
Uh, it can grow 6 to 20 feet wide. That's a pretty good-sized tree. And it can grow up to 30 feet tall. Each flower on a mustard plant can hold up to 20 seeds in it. One small seed can grow to that. And it can be to full grown in two and a half months. You know what I think our problem is sometimes? We're planting a lot of orchid seeds all over because they're small, they're easy, we could throw them down, we could throw them all over, and we could look back and we can see all the beautiful colors that come from our orchid seeds. We need to pull up some orchids, we need to put some mustard down, some faith down, say, you know what, God will take care of it. You know what, sometimes it'll even come faster than you expected. It may not be nine months, it may be two and a half months. But you've got to put the seed down before it's going to grow. Over in 2 Corinthians it says that if, we, uh, we can reap, it talks about reaping bountifully and stuff, like what we sow. What are we sowing? Are we sowing the seeds? You know, I don't want to just have a good, colorful garden in my life. Mustard is only, from what I can see, comes in like two colors, yellow and white. And that's not going to be a very colorful garden. But are your seeds growing to be big enough to then grow out farther. You plant a little tiny seed and you could be up to 20 feet wide. Now your faith can grow. You know what, when you feel like you're in a dark place, when you feel like you're in a, like the mud all alone, and you feel like you're stuck in the mud where it's dark, just remember that's where the mustard likes to grow. When you feel like you're all alone in the wet ground and there's no way out, and it's cool, it's feel all alone, your seed that God has put in your faith can grow better. Because that's what mustard is. It's growing in that damp ground. When you're stuck in the mud, as we say, that's your mustard. Your faith is growing. Um, so with that, I just have a question. How is your faith? Is it growing? You realize what the Bible said. Your faith is the size of a mustard seed. One millimeter could move a mountain. You know what? No one's ever done it. Because no one has a mustard seed. I think a lot of times we have orchids that are growing to nice colors, but they're not moving mountains for God. How is your faith? It's time that we sow some mustard, throw the seeds down, and let God take care of the rest. Go to 1 Samuel 17, 4. 
1 Samuel 17, 4. And while I turn in there, the title of my message will be David's Five Stones. And it says in First Samuel 17:4, and there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistine named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Skip down the verses eight through ten. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel, and said unto them, Why are ye come out to, to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine, and ye servants of Saul? Choose you a man for you, and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me, and to kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Now, now David's king and brethren were there on the battlefield. David's father Jesse told David to bring them food, and so David did. When he got there, he saw how the Israel army was afraid of Goliath, so offered to fight Goliath. David rejected the unproven armor of Saul. Skip down to verse 40, and let's see what David did to prepare to fight Goliath. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in the shepherd's bag, which he had even in the scrip in his sling, was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. So simply a staff a sling and five smooth stones. Now, David had killed a lion and a bear, so he was not afraid of Goliath. This is what he said in front of Goliath and both armies. Skip down to verses 45 and 47. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand, and I will smite thee and take thy head for thee, and I will, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into your hands. David took out Goliath. Oh, hold on. Skip down to verse 49. And David put his hand in his bag and took the stone and slain it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. David took out Goliath with just one stone. So why did he bring five stones? Maybe he thought Goliath's brother would attack him. Maybe he thought he might miss. Or that it would take more than one stone to do the job. For sure, David knew he would win the win as he declared the battle is the Lord. It was a lack of faith because his faith in God was strong. No. No one other than God and David can know for sure, but one thing I know for sure, 
David came to the battle, prepared for whatever could happen. He had the faith in God, but also chose to be prepared. What are some ways we can prepare? Read our Bible, pray, go to church, put on the whole armor of God, follow God's commandments. In closing, do you have great faith in God as David did? If so, are you also prepared for whatever battle you will face?